Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. My name is Jose, and it's so good to be back. Last weekend, I was in Washington, D.C., I know it's really tough to be in the nation's capital. And, um, and we were with 100 kind of Gen Z leaders from around the country, and me and a group of other people investing in their lives. These are all young people who have a passion to share the good news of Jesus. So it's a good reminder that you and I, as 26 West Church here in Hillsborough, Oregon, we're part of something bigger. We're not just involved in our neighborhoods, which our neighborhoods matter. We're involved in things together as a family that are, are going to make an impact by planting seeds in young leaders now for generations to come. And it was, I, I've never been more excited about the future of the church. Forget about what everyone's saying about doom and gloom. God is alive and well, and he's raising up young people who want to worship and serve him, and he's doing it all over the place. And so um, if you only read the negative press, you will scowl. <laughs> But you need to get out there where God is working. And uh, the more I'm out there watching God work, I'm like, he is moving. Well, from, speaking of moving, from there, I drove, uh, some of you we follow, who follow on socials, uh, I drove uh, my, father, my late father-in-law's car that we affectionately call Tacky, and I never explained it, is because he would, it was like a, just tongue-in-cheek. We were all New Yorkers. And when I met my father-in-law, I was dating Carmen, and said, man, that's tacky. Oh, that person's tacky. So if he became more affectionate, I would call him, hey, tacky. And he'd go, hey, tacky. So if it's offensive to you, don't be offended. But we name our cars, and it was very clear, uh, what do we need to name my late father-in-law's vehicle? Tacky. And so I, I got into tacky this morning, and, and I drove tacky here. But in that, I was reminded how big these United States are. It's the fourth time. How many of you have done a cross-country road trip before? Many, many of you, if you have not, don't do it in an expedition, please, uh, with, a, with a solid 15 on the highway if you're lucky. Uh, do it in something that's more efficient, but do it. Because day by day, just had one day just driving through the hills and then the desert and then the hills again, and it's just the beauty. And, and you can forget, if you're not careful, that all of the world doesn't rain incessantly. And there's variety, and there's diversity, and there's, when you see the big, it helps you appreciate what you have, but it also reminds you that there's something bigger going on. And, and to me, that is an epitome of what we're going to look at today. We've just looked over the last eight weeks over the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who's working within. We're in a year-long journey, if you're newer to our church, a year-long journey in trying to discover who is the person of the Holy Spirit? He's above, he's God, but he's God working within us. And hopefully in this section, we've been able to see practical stuff. God wants to produce all sorts of things in me. And before we move on, we're, we're moving on towards Easter. We're gonna be preparing our hearts next week and we'll look at Good Friday and we'll have Easter. And then we're gonna return to a conversation of the Holy Spirit after Easter about how, how the Holy Spirit wants to work through us. What is God doing in us has been our, our talk for the last couple of months, but what does God want to do through us, and how has he prepared us to be useful by giving us himself? That's 
the future. But for today, I want to remind us that it's not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. One last time, it is the what? Fruit, singular. Uh, And so let's look at the text again. And I want to give us three reminders because it's so easy to hear week by week. And, you know, last week, Stephen with six things and the week before me with three things. And you could add up all the things like, okay, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is 37 things. And like, no, that's not. These are just dimensions. So I want to give you three reminders that hopefully will fuel what God wants to do for the rest of your life. How's that for a claim? Just the, I'm just talking about the rest of your life. All right, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and Stephen had us do it last week. Let's do it again. Let's say it together. God's word on the count of three. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Friends, um, this, this is just a reminder. We don't move past this stuff. Sometimes when you cover a topic, feel like, all right, got it, check, box, done, move on. No. What God wants to develop in you and I is a lifetime endeavor. He's got a lifetime project. So we're never going to move past the fruit of the Spirit. God is always going to want to produce more of himself in us. And so this is the the gentle reminder that in order for us to receive the Holy Spirit, we need God. If it's not for God's work in his son Jesus, we have no hope. We have no life. We have no future. So we need God to take dead people enslaved by our own sinfulness, rebellious, and bring us to new life. And God does that. And when we hear the good news of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his promise to return and to lead us and guide us until then. When we hear that and we become a child of God, we are made new by God, for God. This is good news, right? But then we also need to remember, we need God to live the Christian life. So it's not like God rescues us and says, all right, I'll meet you at the end when you pass away or I return. But until then, like, do good. No, God is the one who's working and stirring and producing fruit. And so a couple of applications to that. We can be honest about our struggles. What we want to do as a church community is grow and grow and grow in honesty. Alpha is a safe space to be honest about real doubts about anything. I don't know if I believe the Bible. That's a great question for Alpha. I don't know if God really exists. That's a great question question from Alpha. If God is good, how come there's so much evil in the world? That's a great, we want to bring those questions and not look down and say, why would you ask that? We want to address them and bring them to the word of God, which is the source of life and truth. Now, if you're already following Jesus, you probably have questions and struggles and challenges. So what we want to do is, as a community, grow and grow and grow in, in learning to help one another walk through hard stuff so we can be honest about our shortcomings and our struggles. But we also want to be honest, and this is sometimes where we hold back, about uh, and rejoice about the good things that God is doing in our life. You know, God is growing you. You are not the same person. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not the same person that you were 5, 10, 15 years ago if your journey's been that long. He's grown the way you think. He's He's, he's shaped the way you act. He's, he's working his life through you. And we want to be honest about that. We can rejoice. I'll, I'll make a confession. 
And it's a good one. As I've looked at my life over the last 11 years, I've never led a church before. Why they invited me to do this makes no sense to me. But um, <laughs> it's a disclaimer, 11 years after the fact. But you know what? I realized, like, I'm actually a probably much wiser leader than I was 11 years ago. I've just learned a lot through lots of mistakes and, and some getting some things right. I'm, I'm not as short-fused as I used to be. I'm still short-fused, okay? Be patient with me. But speaking of patience, I, I see, <laughs> I had someone just give a nice little compliment. They're like, man, with all the stuff that's been going around, you are just so, like, you're just so stable and you're bringing a calming presence. I'm like, who are you talking about? That is not me. I'm like, oh, but actually in situations where I used to be like, I, I'm, learning, I'm learning to listen more. So my apologies uh, for, for some of you if I haven't listened really well, but I'm actually learning to listen more because the moment you say one word, I have six steps you need to take in order to get this thing right. I know how to fix it. I'm a fixer, but I'm learning to listen more. And, and, and I am not the same person, same leader that, that I was 11 years ago. And that's, that is not bragging. That's giving glory to God for the good things that he's doing. And he's doing those same things in you, whether you want to admit it or not, see it or not. Hopefully you're surrounded by some people who are not just pointing out the places where God's doing his work. But hopefully you're around some people who see the evidence of God in your life. And this is good news. Okay. So like, Jose, give me the reminders. Hey, calm down. All right. Be a good listener. Here we go. What we're going to do is we're going to see three reminders in what Paul says right after. So we've looked at two verses about the fruit, what the evidence of the Spirit is in our life. But now you always have to look what happens before, what happens after. And what happens after is the fuel for us to see this as God's lifelong work. Not quick fix, God's lifelong work. So let's look at it again. Verses 22 and 23, but now we'll move to verse 26. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. And, and then I could go on, and we won't, I could go on to, to chapter six because you really want to see it lived out. He's going to quickly say, hey, look, if anyone stumbles and is caught in sin, I want you to, to gently pull them out. And I want you to carry each other's burdens because if you carry each other's burdens in that way, you're fulfilling God's law, God's way, God's heart. So there's a lot of application in chapter six, but I just want us to think about three reminders that hopefully will pull all this together. And if you missed all of it and it's your first week, well done, you timed this right. If you got the review, you take the test tomorrow, you get an A. All right, number one, write this down. Our character is not changed by simply following rules. We need to remember that. When you hear a teaching and you have these applications, hey, do this, don't do that, uh, those are healthy reminders. Action is required. You have faith. It comes by hearing, by hearing the word of, of Christ. But faith without action is what? It's dead. It doesn't do anything. So hearing is the seed. The word is the seed. But it comes into the ground of my heart and my mind and my life. And God's inviting me to take 
action steps in accordance to what is true. But know this, our character isn't going to be changed by simply following rules. I'm not saying rules don't matter. I'm just saying they're never enough. And that's why he says at the end of verse 24, 23, against such things, these nine things, there is no law. Transformation is something that the Spirit does within us, but you can't legislate it. I can't rule it. And I think we are wise and smart enough to know, just think of common law. You can legislate, don't, don't go faster than 75 in the state of Nevada as I'm flying at 85, right? Like you can, you can legislate it, but that's not going to actually keep me following the commandments. There has to be something deeper. And when it comes to the things of God and our character, what's our character? Remember, the Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. God wants to bring Jesus' likeness. So rules, guidelines, guardrails are helpful and good. I'm for them. We need them. But that's not actually going to fuel my transformation. It's going to be recognizing that when, when I receive Jesus Christ, he's not just calling me to a, a whole new bondage to rules against such things. When we have love and joy and peace and forbearance and patience and kindness and goodness, generous, when we have those things, and then he uses like a common phrase, against us things, there is no law. He's not necessarily talking about the Old Testament law, although it's included. It was common from the philosopher Aristotle all throughout the centuries. Philosophers, thinkers, everyone came to the basic same conclusion. Genuine transformation doesn't come from rule following only. There has to be something deeper, a rationale, a reason why. And so character character change in our life is going to be a, a deeper work. So, so what Paul gives us in the fruit of the Spirit isn't just lists of new rules, but rather things that Jesus embodied now, that now he wants to embody in us. So, so character change happens when we partner with God to become the person he created us to be. And so because he's given us the Holy Spirit, I'm now a new person with a new engine, and now I can honor God with my life. And, and with that, he does give me his commands, which are beautiful and good, which guide me and guard me from going away from his heart. And so when we think about the fruit as a whole, I want you to think of a visual when you go home because you all have an orange on your counter, right? You have fresh fruit on your counter, don't you? Okay, imagine you go, go, go to Winko, go wherever you go, and get an orange and peel an orange and think of the segments of an orange. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Don't think fruit cup. A fruit cup is a mash of stuff that's tasty and nasty all together, right? <laughs> so, so all of us like, have the thing you love. I wish they put more of this in. And you have the things like slimy, nasty, not interested, and you leave it. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's like, yeah, love, joy, I'm a, I'll take this, but God, you, you don't get to touch that. No, think segments of an orange. It's all one orange that has little pieces. And all of that is what it means to live and look and sound and treat people like, like Jesus. And so we are called to allow God to touch every bit of our life for all of our life. That's the invitation. If you're a Jesus follower, it's not like, thank you for salvation, gonna live my life, I'll meet you at the end. He's not interested in that. 
He wants all of you because he came and died and rose again to rescue all of you. And so now what we're doing as a people, because we're moving past the text, we're saying, God, no matter what we talk about next, I want you to have all of me. <laughs> and I want you to work in all of me. And it's why we want to grow in responding to what God's doing. Some of you noticed a couple of weeks ago we shifted on purpose uh, how we do our response time at the end of a message to it used to be that there was a prayer area at the back of the room because uh, you don't want to like embarrass people. And that's a good thing. If you heard something or you're going through something and you want to respond to God as an act of worship and receive prayer or just be in a space where you can pray and meet with God and, and have him seal in your heart what you just heard. And uh, we moved it practically to the front and sides. Hyper-practical because it's the quietest part of the room. When you're in the back, it's kind of hard, hard to hear because the music is playing. But we also moved it towards the front to realize like we, we shouldn't be ashamed to say we need God. We shouldn't be ashamed to say, like, today I was going through and I am going through. And for whatever reason, God is meeting with me. And I, I want to say yes to that. And so there will today and every week, our prayer team will be there. And if you don't want anyone to pray with you, that's totally cool. Just, just respond in a way that is fitting, whether it's getting on your knees or standing or whatever it is and say, God, today. Or you, you can agree with someone. You can share or not share. Or simply say, pray for me. It's Today, I just need a touch from God. Whatever it is, we want to grow because the fruit of the Spirit is God's character shaping, and we got to get honest to say that there are bumps in the road, right? There are bumps, and there are good weeks, and there are horrible months, but this ought to be the place where we say, you know what? No matter what's going on, these are God's people. These are my brothers and sisters. Game on. I want to grow, and I want to partner with God. All right, so our character isn't changed by simply following rules, but I can respond. Second reminder comes from verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Write it down. Our motivation for change comes from our new identity in Jesus. When you think about what it means to be a Jesus follower, you're reminded that it's not just a new set of rules. No, it's I received the Spirit who's going to help me become more like Jesus. But our, our motivation uh, for change, it doesn't come from like, all right, now God, and now I got to measure up to something that I haven't been able to measure up to before. It's not a new setup for failure. No, our motivation for change is our new identity. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. And what Paul's going to do here is what he always does in his letters. And let me give you a little tip on reading the Bible, particularly when Paul writes to churches. He, he does a helpful thing. He starts with the facts, what's true about you. Whenever he's inviting the church to think about the way that they live, whenever he's saying to us by the Holy Spirit, hey, there needs to be some change in your life, he doesn't start with here's a new rule. He starts with the truth. This is who you are. Are. To get fancy, the, the tense he uses in the Bible, words, the language is Greek, is an indicative. There are words that are facts, factually true about us. And then out of that, after saying, Here, this is what's true of you, he'll move on and say, in light of this being true, he'll move on to, this is the right response. You have indicative, and then you have imperative, indicative and imperative. Indicative, what's true of you, imperative, what ought to be lived out. 
or simply put, these are the facts about who you are, and this is, this is the kind of life God's calling you to live. So what he does here is, that, and this is about motivation. Why should we want to partner with God in our own personal transformation? Here's why. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have indicative, fact, already happened, true, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when you first read that, you almost want to think, okay, those who, who belong to Christ will do this. No, he's saying, no, you already did it. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know what happened? You were with Christ crucified. Now, you didn't, he did it for you. Let me be clear about that. You didn't pay for your own sin debt. Jesus did it. But, but he did it so that you would be set free. And the moment you heard good news and said, Jesus, I trust you, you have been crucified with Christ and your past is now gone. You did it. This is true of you. And in light of what's true of you, there's gonna be an invitation because this already happened. You're gonna want to live in a new way. Two things have happened when you crucify with Christ. You received the Holy Spirit. It happened. So he reminds them, this is the fruit. This is what it, likes, it means to look like Jesus. And you, you have already, because you put your faith in Jesus, church, you've already crucified the flesh with its passions. And so what makes sense next? Well, the reality is we're not yet living in a world that's sin-free. Would you agree? So what's really true is I have been crucified with Christ. I now belong to him. I'm united with him. His death and resurrection means my death to the old life apart from God and my promise of resurrection to come. I, I'm now not an enemy of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I am not. Now, I look the same. I, I, a lot of my personality is remain unchanged, but according to God, I am now his and he is mine. And the proof is he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. I've got, and I'm not saying this lightheartedly, God's DNA is now flowing in my body. His DNA is now flowing inside. I'm not just a creation of God. I'm a child of God. Man, this is now you're saying, Hosea, well, I don't think like that. I don't act like that. I don't talk like that. That can't be true of me. And so the reminder is our motivation in, in letting God work in and partnering with him so that love would increase and joy and peace is not some like, I got to now perform to impress God because, yeah, he likes me because he likes everybody. Like a parent, you got to love every child because you had them, like, you know but he doesn't really like me, but he kind of has, no, no, no. I belong to him. I am deeply loved. I am radically accepted. I am I'm on my way to live with God forever. And by the way, you are if you belong to Jesus. You say, well, right now life is tough. I agree life is tough. Join the club. You are one step closer to eternity with God. As a matter of fact, eternal life has already started inside of you. It started now. You are a child of God. Okay, this is the indicative. They have already crucified. 
but it's an action that's happened in the past that has ongoing consequences. So it's not like one and done, like, woo, I could party on, do whatever I want. No, 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 no. I am with Christ, united. So why is someone united with Christ going to live like hell on earth? That doesn't make any sense. I'm a child of God. Earlier in the letter, Paul says in, in Galatians 2, if you just flip back just a couple of pages, Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying the same thing earlier. He comes back to it later in the letter, but he already told them, this, I, I, when I received Christ, I, I, it's, I'm not living, but it's now Christ living in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I am now a child of God. I can bear the fruit of what it means to live like Jesus Christ. But there's something that I get to participate in, and that's Galatians 6.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so that's going to be the invitation, the, the indicative, what's already true of you. You have been crucified with Christ if you've trusted in Jesus. And your old life is now dead and gone, yet I still have desires, man. I, how many of you have ungodly desires often? Double hand up. Some of you are lying. All day long, all day strong, I have ungodly desires all the time. Like, why aren't you helping lead this church? Every human does, and those who say they don't, watch out for. Well, I know you struggle with that, but I'm, I've already moved past that. Oh, my gosh. Set up for failure. The Christian life is a joy-filled life. This is not grit it to the end and hope that you make it. Christ lives in me, and his life is infused in my DNA, and I can present any situation to God and say, I'm not going to set aside your grace. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for how you're changing me. Okay, these areas, I'm resisting. But Holy Spirit, help me with my resistance. It's a, it's a life filled with God changing us moment by moment, day by day, week by week, week by week. It's slow and steady. Do you ever bump into someone that you, you hadn't seen 10, 20 years, like you saw him as a kid, and now you see him as an adult? You go, wow, like, you're just not the same person. You're like totally different, like, duh, 20 years past, people, right? So when you don't see someone for a long time, the change is dramatic. But you know what? They didn't change dramatically. They changed what? Day by day. Born with peach fuzz, right? Little hair grew, then little hair left. And it left, and it left. And it ain't coming back. I'm speaking about John. I'm obviously not talking about, I'm not talking about myself here. So if you haven't seen me in 30 years, you're like, whoa, you are totally different. But then ask my wife, she's like, he's the same old, same old. Slow, steady change. And, and this ought to encourage you, Christian, Jesus lover, child of God, son of God, daughter of God. God is changing you moment by moment. And sometimes we could be our biggest enemy by failing to see the change he's making in us. 
And we can get so discouraged that we can lose hope and say, well, it doesn't work. Of course it works because he always works. Yet, counterbalance, indicative and imperative, I'm called to keep in step. And so the third thing I want you to write down is our invitation then is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is connected. If you disconnect it, you can become legalistic and burdensome with just rule following. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The moment we trusted Christ, we become a new person. But now the, the imperative, the command, the here's what you're supposed to do, this is what's fitting, is to keep in step. And I love, he, uses, uh, he doesn't use an ordinary term here in the original language for like just walking along. He uses a very vivid metaphor kind of word, Keep in step, you could translate it. It's something a, a, a farmer who's herding cattle. Walk along with the farmer. You could use it of a shepherd leading sheep. Okay, sheep, keep in pace with the shepherd. You could use this for the military. And it's probably, this is the, I don't know, but this is, he's probably pulling on a military metaphor because Paul was around the Roman military all the time because they were having to either arrest him to save him for the Jews or they, they thought he was doing evil. But you see soldiers who are trained to keep in step. You ever see soldiers who are marching? March along with the commanding officer. Don't fall back. Don't get ahead. Keep in step. You could also use it for the wind that drives a ship along. If you're a ship and the wind is blowing against you, you could be in danger. But no, ride with the wind is going this way. Don't overly resist it ride with it. I hope you get the point by now. Soldiers are trained to keep in step with the commanding officer. So what does it mean for us to keep in step with God? Okay, I think this is like hyper-practical. There are places I should not go. Now you have to flesh out what that means. There are places I should not go. Why? That's not in step with God's desire. There are things I should not look at. Everyone has a mental picture of what that is. I don't have to tell you. This isn't legalistic. You follow my rules as I interpret them. No, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't spend time looking at that because that will get you out of sync. I'm going in this direction. That will get your mind going that direction. That's not gonna be healthy for you, there are words I should not say. What are those words for you? Again, the, there are guardrails, there are rules, but this is a life-giving list where God is inviting us to live more like Jesus. So there are words I shouldn't say. There are conversations I shouldn't join in. There are desires I shouldn't give into. There are attitudes towards others I shouldn't hold. Now, did I just tell you what to do? No, I didn't give you any specifics, words, ideas, places. This is where the customizable work of the Spirit is so fantastic. There are things that are okay for me to look at that will be disastrous for you, right? And I'm, I'm not talking about obvious things that are not honoring the Christ. But there are, you know, for you, it may be like you should not look at the news headlines before opening the Bible, because already your heart is drawn to, drawn to fear and worry or unbelief, you know, whatever the case may be. 
The point is, God has given us himself to keep us in step with himself. This is so beautiful, man. This is, this is so good news. So grace is real because we're, there are going to be times where we're going to fall out of step with what God is doing. So what do we do to get back in step? And this is this Bible word, repentance, the most beautiful word. It's gotten a negative connotation by some people who just don't understand it. Repentance is just a turning around or a change of mind. I thought this was good for me, and God reminded me it's not, so I'm going to go God's way. I thought I, could, I thought I could enjoy this and still look like Jesus. I realized I'm actually less like Jesus right now, so I say, no, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm coming back to what's right and true because God's steps are beautiful, and his direction for my life is better. Now, I'll give a disclaimer. If you actually think that your approach to living your life is better than God's, then go for it. Totally go for it. You're going to be disappointed. But once you realize, because God's given me the Spirit, I can now know and walk in the ways of God and live a life that's not perfect yet, but is totally pleasing, and the trajectory of my life is more Godward, more often then this is the Christian life. And uh, Stephen read it last week, but it's worth a reread because you can't get enough of the Bible, can you? Read the same verse every day. It will change your life. I dare you. Just read the same verse every day, and it will change your life day by day until you memorize it, and then like when you contradict it, it will come up in your head. Memorizing the Bible is dangerous. It's that good because it will be in you, and when you get off course, it will remind you how to come back uh, Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own, notice, eager to do what's good. So God uh, has, has, has rescued us and set us free, but we ought to be a people who want to partner with him. So don't fall behind. Look, here's the word. If you've fallen behind this week, in whatever way, for whatever reason, then just come back. Get back in step. There's grace for you. Grace drew you to Jesus. Grace keeps you in Jesus. And grace is available to wash us day by day when we get filthy because of our own thoughts and our own behavior. We don't want to run ahead. We want to fall behind. We want to, we want to keep in step with God. I'm, I, want to, I want to draw towards a close with a long and helpful quote by a longtime pastor. He's now with Jesus, John Stott who in his day was just such a helpful pastor, theologian, evangelist, all-around Jesus-centered person. And I only met him once. But those who knew him closely just say, when you, when you walked with John, you felt like you were in the presence of Jesus. I, I want to be like that. But others who walked with him for years and years and decades and decades said, when you're with him, you just feel like you're with the Savior. And, and he has a quote on this text. And let me just read it. Our task is to take time each day to remember these truths about ourselves and to live accordingly. If we have crucified the flesh, which we have, 
then we must leave it securely nailed to the cross where it deserves to be. And we must not finger the nails. And if we live in the Spirit, which we do, then we must walk by the Spirit. So when the tempter comes with evil insinuations, we must round on him savagely and say to him, I belong to Christ. I have crucified the flesh. It's altogether out of the question that I should ever dream of taking it down from the cross. Again, I belong to Christ. The Spirit dwells within me. And so I'll set my mind on the things of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, according to his rule and line from day to day. We belong to Jesus. So we want to grow as a church in, in living this out and simply responding to Jesus. So let me, let me just ask you again, as we think about worship, we're going to respond and the, the band's going to come and we're going to sing songs that are fitting for a message like this. But let me just ask you, what is your right response right now to what you just heard? Is there something that Jesus is inviting you to let go of? That's a right response. Is there a moment that you need to have to confess, which is not a bad word. It's to simply say what's true uh, to someone you love or someone you don't know, to someone on a prayer you know, You know what? I, I have been going in this direction, but today I'm returning to the grace of God and to the mercy of Jesus Christ. What is God inviting you to remember about yourself? Maybe you're in a season where you're just beating yourself over the head for your failures again and again. And maybe it's time for you to remember what's true. You're a child of God and the Spirit lives within you and he is working for your good even when you don't see it. Or, or where is God simply inviting you, hey, keep in step because you're, you're falling out of step. Here's what I learned about the Holy Spirit. He's not speaking when I've fallen down and made a disaster of my life. He is speaking when I'm starting to get off step. He is whispering when he's moving and I'm going the other direction. He is, he is often speaking. I read a Bible verse and it's convicting, but I do nothing about it. I hear a message, a podcast, a song, and it speaks to me and it's right and true, but I do nothing. He's speaking all the way along. And I wonder if we're today listening to what he is saying to our situation. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.